0: that you're here with us this morning i just as we kind of move on with the service here into the sermon and everything else going on i just ask that again yeah you just be speaking to all of us through the words that are said you just be yeah tapping on our shoulder just sitting there with us listening and just pointing out like oh yeah that's the bit where i want you to i think that bit would be really good for you um yeah thank you lord amen How about that? There we go. So we are going to be continuing our series here in First Peter chapter one, and you've got your Bibles. You can turn to that. A lot of you know that uh, that one of the the things that I'm involved in is. Uh, Uh, ministry called Digital Strategies through the organization Power to Change. And uh, what we do is uh, we use the internet uh, to post articles that address struggles that people are facing, um, relationship issues, financial issues, health issues, Mm. all those kinds of things, and then share with them how Christ makes a difference. And then we invite them into uh, a, a conversation with a mentor with a volunteer mentor who builds a relationship um, gets to know that person a little bit more and helps them take steps closer to Christ um, I wanted to to read uh, just one of the conversations that uh, that has has gone on recently um, in in our ministry um, one of the things that uh, that we see a lot of people struggling with is the impact of pornography in their life whether it is um, those who are in a relationship with someone who is addicted to pornography and the impact that that's had on their life or those who have uh, been in that captivity to pornography and can't seem to get themselves um, out of it and that's uh, what um, what this person this uh, person who wrote in Said that they were struggling with addiction to pornography, and uh, in the first couple of conversations, as the mentor got to know that person a little bit more, uh, eventually got to the place of sharing how Jesus makes a difference in our lives. He helps us to be set free from those things that hold us captive, and uh, shared some uh, some videos with them and shared the gospel with them. and And the mentee wrote back and said, "Actually, I've." I've never heard that message anywhere, and I am so ready to commit my life to Jesus. So the mentor shared with them how they can become a follower of Jesus. And, and the mentee responded um, after praying that prayer, said, God is doing wonders in my life through your prayers and every advice you have been offering. But I'm still struggling with bad mental pictures and what I used to do in the past. What should I do because it's, it's these mental pictures are pulling me back into sin. And so the mentor then talked about how the Holy Spirit sets us free from those things. When we walk with the Spirit, He helps us to no longer follow after those uh, cravings of our sinful nature that lead us down the wrong road. So the mentee wrote back a little bit later on, thank you so much. I really don't have words to describe of how good I feel about this. I am more than willing to let God, through His Holy Spirit, lead my way as I follow. Thanks so much for your guidance. And then a few months later, that meant that uh, individual wrote, I am proceeding well. I came to learn that it is easier to change bad habits to good over time as long as I let God take control of everything. Even though I'm tempted most of the time, God has been my shield. Sometimes I fail, but I also believe everything will be just fine and I trust in God to help me fight through those temptations. I feel like, like sharing everything because I believe God changes a person's life so that they can share and show others how powerful and great He is. I can share everything to anyone. Maybe my story can also change someone else's life. I recently joined a local church, and and as a youth, 23 years old, I'm trying hard to bring other young people to the church and ensure they join the bigger family of God's family. I've talked to to some of my friends, and the advice I offer is that My friend should tell a friend. To tell a friend about God's love and how good it is to live in purity. When Jesus changes your heart, He changes your life. He changes the way that you live. And that's the message of what Peter is writing here to these Christians. It's that hope leads to holiness. That living hope that we've been talking about that that Peter goes on and has that long run-on sentence uh, that starts the first chapter that he keeps on coming back to, that hope of ours impacts the way that we live and leads to holiness. Let's start reading at verse 13 here of 1 Peter chapter 1. you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. In verse 13, that therefore is pointing us back to verse 10. Therefore, this salvation that the prophets who prophesied about the grace was searching and inquiring to understand Uh, this this salvation that is made available to us that even angels long to look into. This is that grace that God has brought to us. Uh, And because of that, therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your Hope fully on the grace that was brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it is because of this salvation that we then focus our attention, set our hope on the grace that is brought to us. This is a salvation that is of inestimable value. It's a grace that 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 comes to us at at great cost. You know, I know sometimes we talk about the gospel and and we take it for granted. We we neglect to, to fully understand the the unbelievable value, the unbelievable trust. Precious, <laughs> precious treasure that Jesus has made available to us. And, and, and we forget the cost that it took to purchase our freedom. We forget about how how powerful the grace at work in our lives actually is and the difference that it can make in this world. We forget that that this gospel, this good news that we have from Jesus is there to transform our relationships. That it's able to take broken, torn apart relationships that have been made a mess by our sin and our pride and to make that whole again. We forget that this grace is able to, to, to give us the power to lead us through whatever chaotic circumstances we might find ourselves in and it becomes more commonplace and 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 that's one of the reasons why peter wanted to write here for us to, to to remind us that this was something that the prophets knew there was there was something that god was doing some amazing thing that they were putting their faith into and they were seeking after to understand more fully what it meant This grace, it's hard to imagine, but even the angels, they are at a loss for why God would be at work in the lives of humanity. They have desired and longed to be able to understand that grace that we take for granted. Because it is this unbelievable, wonderful gift that God has made available to us. So therefore, since this salvation that you have received through God's grace, which the prophets have searched for and the angels long to see, set your hope. That's the main verb of this whole section uh, uh, that, that we're looking at today. Set your hope. He starts off by telling us How we are to set our hope. It says, therefore, preparing your minds for action, set your hope. Therefore, being sober-minded, set your hope. That's the how we are supposed to do it. What we have translated here for us, preparing your minds for action, literally in the Greek, the the, the euphemism that's being used is, gird up the loins of your mind, which, which within that context you understand, ladies probably understand this more than, than us men, but when you're wearing the, the long robes that were common for the time, when it came time for action, when you were getting ready to go to work and you needed to be able to take strides, when you were getting ready for a race and you needed to be able to have unencumbered movement of your legs. When you were going into battle and you didn't want any of your, your fashion statements to get in the way of, of your attack. You would gird up your loins. You would grab your long dress and tuck it in your belt so that your legs would be able to have that free movement. And that's the euphemism that's being used here. He says, gird up the loins of your mind. Get your mind ready for action. God is at work. God is doing something, and He wants you to be ready, and you need to be focusing your mind to be prepared for what God is going to do. So preparing your mind for action and being sober-minded. Sober-minded, probably a good synonym for sober-minded is that we are circumspect. That we are aware. That we are alert. Peter uses this word three times in this particular letter. Here in, in, in this location, but also in chapter 4, verse 7, where where he is talking about with the culmination of all things, Be sober-minded. In chapter 5, verse 8, he says, in light of the fact that the devil is like a lion prowling around looking for someone to devour, be sober-minded. Be alert. Be aware. Paul uses it a couple of times in his first letter to the Thessalonians when he's talking about how we need to be prepared For the return of Christ, we are to be watching, we are to be aware, we are to be intently looking for. So therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober minded, set your hope completely on the grace that is brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is that same living hope that we talked about back in verse 3 where it says, According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. You remember that this living hope is a, a, a has two aspects to it. That it is a hope for an eternity with Christ in heaven. That that living hope is a a, a certainty for all those who put their faith in Jesus Christ that they will be with Christ for all of eternity. So it is that inheritance that we have that is waiting for us in heaven. But it also is this guarding, this hope in the guarding and guiding of Christ in our lives today. It's not just a hope for tomorrow, but it is a hope for right now that that Christ is with me, leading and guiding me. And so we are to set our minds on that hope. On that hope of heaven, on that inheritance that is waiting for us, but are also set our hope on the guiding guarding that, that Jesus is doing in our lives right now today. The grace that is brought in the revelation of Jesus Christ at the end of the age, but also in the revelation of Jesus that is in you today. So when he says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yes, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ at the end of time. When he comes as conquering king, when he comes to, to, to rescue and, and redeem all of his people into his presence for all of eternity. Uh, that is part of the revelation of Jesus Christ. But it is also the revelation of Jesus Christ in you. That as we walk in the Spirit, Christ's image is revealed through us. That as we produce the fruit of the Spirit, our lives proclaim Jesus into a watching world. And so we set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is a grace. It is a gift from God. That it's something that He is doing in your life. Don't you love the balance of how this describes our relationship with Jesus? Yes, there is a responsibility that we have to set our hope on on the grace that Christ is bringing to us. But it is also the grace of God that is doing that work in our lives. It is, it's like this perfect dance. Jesus as the lead in this dance who perfectly knows exactly how to step and how to move in a a beautiful uh, uh, poetry in motion kind of a movement. And how, how His great leading makes our following and dancing with Him absolutely effortless. It's like He knows exactly where we have to go, and as we follow His lead, it creates this thing of beauty that the rest of the world goes, wow! And it is effortless when we are following with Him. But if we're not paying attention... It's so easy to get our feet tied up with each other and throw the whole dance off. And so there's a responsibility for us to pay attention, to prepare our minds for action, to recognize that Christ is doing something and so we need to keep our eyes on Him so that we keep in step perfectly with Him. And He leads so well so that it becomes this effortless, easy motion into creating this thing of beauty. It is this perfect balance that we see here presented over and over again in Scripture. That we have a responsibility, but Christ is the one who does the work. It's His grace at work in our lives that transforms our heart. And when we set our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, that he who began that good work in you will carry it through to completion. And as we follow him more and more, our lives reflect His holiness more and more. You remember that passage in Second Corinthians 13? Uh, sorry, Second Corinthians three. And verse 18. And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord. Again, there's our responsibility, right? That we are beholding the glory of Jesus. We are keeping our eyes focused on Him. But when we focus our eyes on Him, we are being transformed into that same image. From one deg- degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Throughout Scripture, there is this perfect balance of our responsibility and God who accomplishes the work in our lives. So, Therefore, preparing your minds for action, be sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Back to our responsibility. What are the things that we need to do? We need to resist those evil urges that characterized our life before we became a follower of Jesus. That that, that we need to not fall into those passions that used to define who we we were. But instead, allow Christ to make us holy. Holy. In verse 15 where it says, um, But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. It is an imperative, which means it's a command. It's saying, be holy. But when you look at the, the, the verb form of the be, it is a passive verb, which means that it's not an action being done by the one who is called to be holy but it is being accomplished by some outside agent. So probably a better way to translate it would be you becoming holy just as Christ your father as as, uh, as God your father is holy. So it is something that is happening to us but we are still commanded to be holy, to allow ourselves to become holy. That perfect dance there again. Both sides of our responsibility and what God is doing in us. But when we keep our eyes on Christ, He then makes us holy. It all stems from this focus that we have of setting our hope on the grace and salvation that's coming through Jesus Christ. That as we set our hope on Him, that leads to a holy life. He accomplishes and does that work in our lives. As I've been studying this passage, I realize that the opposite is also true, that when we lose hope, that it leads to unholiness. When we get caught up in the the chaos of our world and forget that, that God has a transforming work to do that He is totally in control and will lead us and guide us through whatever chaos and whatever uncertainty might happen to us. And instead, we feel like we have to somehow create this. We have to set things right. And so instead of setting our hope on the grace that comes through Christ, we set our hope on our ability to be able to figure things out. We set our hope on our ability to be able to, to, to gather up enough material stuff in order to, to deal with the, the, the needs that are out in this world. Or, or, the, or that we feel like we have to um, focus on following rules and living up to, to different moral standards. That, that that's the only way that we can lead to holiness. But But the more that we get caught up in fear the more our lives turn to unholiness we start cutting corners we start thinking I need to make sure that I hoard what I can in order to to make sure that my uh, my life has the, the level of comfort that I need we see that happening in these times with this pandemic, the fear that, that that crops up with with the virus it's creating all kinds of relationship breakdowns. people are putting their hope not in Christ but they're putting their hope in, in our ability to be able to control this virus in our be, in ability to be able to protect ourselves. Both sides of the argument, Right? Both, both sides of the debate are, are, are finding ways of, of putting their hope in their own ability to be able to, to have their bodies uh, remain pure and, and, and not get sick. And, and, and there's the anger and vitriol that you see coming from both sides of, of this debate. That's because we're setting our hope not on the grace that comes through Christ, we're setting our hope on other things. And that lack of hope, that, that fear that, that, that is building up in our lives leads us to, to unholiness. We have to realize that, that as, as our society and our culture continues to trend away from Christian morals... Christian beliefs, where where the things that, that we hold as true, as revealed by God and His Word, become more and more rejected by the culture that surrounds us, there is going to be more and more pressure on us, more and more fear that will try and creep into our lives. That is going to result in Poor choices on our part, where we then try and guard ourselves rather than trusting in the guarding that Christ is going to provide for us. That, that we try and and plot and plan out our lives rather than following where Jesus is leading us. You've seen that in history. In different settings where, where persecution against the church starts rising, there are those that stand fast, that, that set their hope on Christ, and He carries them through. And there are others who allow fear to overcome them, and they turn their backs on their faith. They're unable to sustain that, and they start cutting corners and, and, and denying their, their Savior. This salvation that we have been given is far too precious. Has far too much potential for an eternal impact on our world for us to forget and to get consumed by fear. We have to keep our hope Set it on the grace that we have in Jesus Christ. Trusting in Him for that hope that we have in heaven. That inheritance that He holds for us. To have our hope on the guiding and guarding that He is providing us day to day, moment by moment. That we need to be preparing our minds for action. That we need to to, to be sober-minded, to be circumspect, to walk in a way that is aware and alert not of the, the problems that are going on in this world, but rather circumspect, aware and alert of what Christ is doing in our lives. Keeping in step with the Spirit as He leads us so that we can then resist the evil. That we can remain obedient as little children to the truth. It is then that Christ's glory will be manifested in us. That we will be able to shine that light in this world to rescue others who are being overcome by fear and hopelessness. Hope leads to holiness. And when we put our hope in Christ, He transforms our lives to look like Him more and more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for the hope that we have in Jesus. Thank You for the way that Peter is... is, uh, helping us to drill deep into understanding the the preciousness of this hope that we have, of the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Of the grace that we receive through His mercy and His His love for us. Thank You that, that it's not up to us to become holy, but rather as we focus and set our hope on You, that You then transform our lives into that holy character, into that uh, revelation of Jesus Christ in us. Lord, I have to confess that I get overwhelmed by fear, that I let fear creep into my life And cause me to to look other places rather than to You for that hope. I pray, Lord, that You would be working in our hearts. That You would be constantly reminding us of how Your sufficiency is more than enough for all that we have. And Lord, as we as we prepare our minds for action, as we walk in a way that is alert and aware, and set our hope on that grace, Lord, I pray that You would use us to touch people's lives like this person that, uh, uh, that came onto one of our websites, to the friends and neighbors that we have around us, to the family members that we connect with that we would be able to introduce them to the grace that comes through Jesus Christ alone. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.